Welcome back to the Men's Divorce Podcast videocast, also brought to you by Cordell & Cordell. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of uh, Cordell & Cordell. And welcome back. We're going to talk in this continuing series as it relates to the impact of COVID-19 on divorce and guys, uh, whether they're before, during, or after. We've been covering uh, specific issues as it relates to custody and support and retirement. Today, uh, as you may be aware, uh, in our last two live webinars, the national webinars, we were taking questions. Uh, and we want to address some of those questions and just devote today's uh, series to just that. And so today I'm joined by um, a partner, uh, Erica Giddings, in the Wisconsin office. Uh, Erica has significant experience in litigation, and we just thought that she'd be perfect to join us to go through some of those questions. Erica, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, and I really appreciate the opportunity to help everyone. So uh, before we get started, keep in mind that um, this should not be taken as legal advice. And I do this every time. We warn you just to make sure, because in these questions, we don't have all the facts. And we don't know necessarily, we have not looking at your decree, your judgment, your spe specific uh, issues that are you're dealing with. And so we're just kind of giving you the, some high-level thoughts. Um, and particularly, I'm only licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Georgia. Erica is only licensed in Wisconsin. And you may be listening from around the world in different states, in the UK, wherever it may be. Uh, that's what we're getting. And so just use this as caution. Write these down and use these as uh, talking points to take to your attorney. Certainly, uh, I'll talk to you a little bit about if you want to consult with us. We're available via telephone or virtual as well. I'll give you that information at the end of this uh, video and podcast so that you can take your, that opportunity to do that. So, again, we don't want this to create an attorney-client relationship because it can't. Uh, again, not legal advice either. So let's just really uh, dive right in. As you're listening, and if you think of a question that you want us to address either uh, in another podcast or in a webinar, go ahead and submit those to coronavirus.divorce at cordelllaw.com. That's got three L's in Cordell Law. So C-O-R-D-E-L-L-A-W.com, coronavirus.divorce at cordelllaw.com. So um, Erica, a lot of the questions that come in um, really deal uh, specifically with uh, custody. We have some issues uh, that may deal with some support and financial, but let's just kind of go into the custody issue because that seems front and center for most guys. The uh, first one that came in from one of our listeners and viewers was, can my ex-wife hold my children from me uh, because I traveled to Puerto Rico? She's telling me that I have to have the police forcibly remove them from her premises to get my time back. Now, you know, I never thought I would... Uh, read a question like that until now and you know, we're dealing with uh, coronavirus it's crazy so what does this guy do you know he's been to puerto rico let's make the assumption that he's uh, self-quarantined himself for 14 days what does he do yeah i mean that was my first question that i was going to ask right is when when did you go to puerto rico did you go to puerto rico six months ago or did you go to puerto rico yesterday the big thing that we all have to remember and all parents have to remember is that using coronavirus as an opportunity to withhold the children from a parent is not only counter to a court order and can subject you to contempt, right? And so you can make the courts mad, but ultimately we have to think about the relationships. It's unacceptable. This, this pandemic could be lasting for two weeks, two months, and to think that children should be withheld from their child, from their parents for two months, 
is just it's it's absolutely absurd mm -hmm. and in my opinion really to the detriment of the children um it's selfish uh it's manipulative uh it's certainly something that the courts should be taking seriously so the key that you the person would need to do is like well what do i do she's not going to buy uh, follow the order what do i do so the first thing that i would do in that situation is i would contact the child's doctor I would make sure that the person knows that I have self-quarantined for a 14-day period of time. And then I would ask the doctor to confirm, and most doctors um, have an electronic communication option so that you can send a request and a question in, and they will respond, either they or their nursing staff will respond to you electronically. And so if you don't have that, uh, that capability, um, side note, uh, it's called a proxy access. So contacting your child's healthcare provider and requesting proxy access so that you have the ability um, to communicate with the doctors and access your child's medical records. So mm -hmm. using proxy access, I would contact the doctor and get the information um, and essentially get the doctor to confirm that there's no issue with your child going to you. Um, and then the next step I would do is uh, certainly contact an attorney right away. This could be something that could be resolved um, if you retain an attorney and an attorney contacting that person and giving very stern uh, response to what they're requesting. I'll tell you, I've had to do many of those as of late. Um, and having that attorney make that uh, communication to make sure you're going to, they know that you're going to be taking it very seriously and you will be taking court action if you have to. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it is uh, something that when we tell guys to be proactive and communicate and especially in writing it's it's okay to have these communications specifically in this instance where I did travel and I've quarantined you can have that phone call uh, but followed up in writing again and here's what I expect I expect mom if she's going to take this stance she's not going to back off and so what you're going to have to do is document everything and then take some steps you know one of the things that we've been saying to guys is that they they hear through the news they listen to the media closed, 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 you know, shelter in place. And they think courts aren't, aren't open. Um, but with the exception of just a few pockets around the country, yesterday we, in our live, uh, live webinar, we talked about uh, New York. Uh, amazingly that they are closed and they won't even accept filings. And I, I just can't, it, it boggles my mind, you know, because we have emergency situations. So what maybe Erica is Wisconsin currently just accepting new filings, emergency motions on a as needed basis. So the first thing is in Wisconsin, actually, we have an order, um, even though we have a safer at home order, there is a clear directive that that doesn't apply to placement exchanges. Um, so in Wisconsin, we call it placement, other states call it uh, parenting time or custody. So exchanging the children is an exception to that order. Uh, so I agree that the first thing that uh, people need to do is document and also be very aware of how you're communicating it, what you're writing, will be an exhibit, mm -hmm. right? That's how you should be treating it. So be careful of your tone, be careful of, uh, I mean, despite the fact that you are justifiably angry, just be very clear that this is going to be an exhibit. And so you're going to want to read that once, twice, three times, and even get an opinion of another person before you're responding to the other, um, mm -hmm. to the other side. Now, Wisconsin, uh, it's going to vary by county. Uh, there is the option to pursue emergency orders. 
But in the event that somebody is pursuing an emergency order, they better have very clear uh, indications to the court as to why the situation justifies withholding a child from their parent. And I'm not hearing that. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing no symptoms. I'm hearing 14 day quarantine since Puerto Rico. It would be a completely different situation if somebody was just in clear violation, um, disregarding the safer at home order, going out and interacting with a ton of people, maybe even having symptoms. That's a completely dis different situ situation. And that's not what this um, person is saying that they have. Yeah. So, you know, the next question is similar, and, and you see this pattern here uh, that guys are experiencing. It's terrible. Can my ex withhold the kids from me if I'm healthy, uh, but I'm a risk because I have asthma? Um, I get it. You know, you've heard the Surgeon General, um, uh, some of the, you know, Dr. Bricks and talk about as asthma is an agitator uh, to coronavirus. So apparently right now, uh, mom is saying, nope, you're a health risk. I'm not going to give you the kids. Can she do that? Uh, I, my response to that would be, well, while I appreciate your concern for me, mm -hmm. right? Uh, this is about her trying to to help him, um, which personally I would find quite disingenuous, yeah. right? right. Um, so I would respond to the person, while I appreciate your concern, uh, my uh, my understanding is that you're taking every every precaution and you are isolating and I'm isolating. So because we both are following um, the orders and directives, um, I feel comfortable with pursuit uh, with continuing with placement and and I also think it's in our child's best interest during this incredibly difficult time, right? Yeah, right. The message is, while I appreciate it, right? Because mm -hmm. it could be an exhibit used later, but uh, to withhold placement for somebody because of, uh, of, of concern for their safety. Um, that's disingenuous. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it begs the question. So we, we get these, uh, issues and the, and the guys that are experiencing the denials of custody, what is the remedy, you know, in Wisconsin, what is it that guys can file, uh, in an emergency manner that can either enforce their rights or let's just say, obviously, by the time that they're filing, they've missed out. They're not getting their custody, so they want makeup time. What is it that uh, typically in Wisconsin you can do that courts will entertain as a, an appropriate remedy? So in Wisconsin, court orders are court orders for placement, right? There's nothing in the safer at home orders that um, is saying, okay, it's okay to violate a court order. In Wisconsin in particular, we have a statute that's dedicated to enforcement of placement rights um, to uh, take away somebody's parenting time. There are criminal statutes that are associated with it, but practically speaking right now, what a person can do is one, document it, um, and have an attorney uh, involved, um, hire an attorney to try to get reason with the other side. But if they're not willing to reason, then you would file a motion to enforce placement. Uh, you can try to seek an ex parte order. Um, my, at right now I'm operating under, it's a no without asking. Uh, so asking the court for an ex parte order and detailing the circumstances, including the proof of this person withholding without any justification and including in that affidavit, the precautions that each person has already taken and, and really focus it on the child, right? Mm -hmm. The 
child is experiencing no symptoms, neither parent is experiencing symptoms, both parents are isolating. And to, to go down that road and say that this person is this other parent is saying that I should be with withheld from the child. That means that this child is going to be taken from their parent for a right. significant period of time, potentially. It's just inappropriate. And we are getting feedback from court officials that they are taking this seriously. They yeah. understand that there are some parents, now mind you, it's the minority. Most people are taking a common sense and reasonable approach to this, but the minority of people who are trying to take advantage of the system, those people who were already engaging in alienating behavior mm -hmm. are continuing that alienating behavior. And we're really asking the courts to take this seriously and swiftly. Um, and also, although the court may not be holding session, it's still possible in Wisconsin that you might file a motion and still be able to get a telephone appearance. Many counties are still doing telephone appearances. Yep. I mean, a lot of uh, the, this behavior is fear-driven, not necessarily fact-driven. You know, you, in the example right there about asthma, it's fear. I mean, if you look at the facts, if someone's healthy, not experiencing symptoms, haven't been exposed to someone with the virus, um, you know, whatever it may be, they're fine. And keep social distancing, you know, use the appropriate and follow the guidelines by the CDC in the 30 days to stop the spread. And uh, it's crazy. Um, you know, the next question is similar. My ex-wife is a nurse, still seeing patients. I offered to keep our son and she won't allow it. Anything I can do to have him with me to keep him safer, considering she may be exposed on a daily basis and not know it for uh, two plus weeks. So the first thing that I would do in that situation is get more information as to what this person does on a daily basis. Are they an ER nurse or are they a nurse at a pediatrician's clinic? Um, because many nurses are actually not having direct contact with patients. So this needs to be a conversation. Now, that conversation should be in writing, but it should be at a tone that is appropriate. Again, one that you would expect that the court's going to be reading it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about our child safety. I know you are concerned about our child safety as well. So I want to take a common sense and practical approach where we are putting our child's best interest at the forefront and saying, Here are, here's what I'm doing to make sure that I'm engaging in social distancing and isolation. And I just need confirmation from you and an understanding from you as to what exposure you're having to other individuals. If this person is say a, an ER nurse who is having physical contact with patients who have COVID, you know, I think that's a very different situation. Um, and it's, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough situation, right? We know mom, nurse, you love your child, right? This is not about um, me wanting to take the child away from you. So see the different tone from what the other people are saying is, you know, I'm withholding, mm -hmm. right? You're not going to get your child. And here it's have a conversation and show that you are being diligent. You are being respectful and you're trying to be cooperative. Demonstrating that is important. But if it's a situation where you know, this is a situation where your child is at risk. Mm -hmm. If it's one of those situations, you really do need to consult an attorney. Um, you should not unilaterally just violate a court order uh, because you can be subjected to contempt actions down the road, which could 
code include having to pay attorney's fees. Um, so in that situation, you really want to consult with an attorney before you take action and talk it through, talk about what the plan needs to be. And obviously it needs to be swift. Um, so I know that not all, uh, many law firms are not open, um, but know that you know, our firm, we're a national firm and we have attorneys who are available to do telephone constant, uh, consultations, Zoom consultations. We're even doing them after hours at, or at night for parents who are, are working from home and having their, their children um, with them. So finding an attorney who can talk to you right away and you can consult and get that legal advice that you need to make sure that you're making the right decisions now so it's not a problem for you down the road. Yeah. You know, going hand in hand with these custody issues, you're seeing um, large variations in, in how they're exercising their court-ordered time. And so the next question uh, involves what do you do about child support? So what happens here, uh, this guy who submitted the question, is he's having more time than what the court order says. And that's because mom is either working, he's able to work from home, and he's still paying the full amount of child support, even though instead of getting one-third of the time, he's got 66% of the time. And yet mom is, you know, he's incurring more expenses than he otherwise would have because he's got to maintain the house, more food, whatever it may be. Um, and the question really is, is can this gentleman suspend his support, pay less? What can he do? considering he's incurring more costs than what the court order had had uh, perceived or, or suspected that they would be doing? Well, one thing to keep in mind is uh, that you cannot just unilaterally decide not to follow a court order. No attorney can tell you, oh, just don't follow that court order um, because the court orders are there and it, you need to follow the court order. The Your option is to try to pursue modifying the court order. Um, so I, this is a situation that it's really important to consult with an attorney to do that analysis, right? Are we talking about a difference between $25 mm -hmm. per month or is it going to be $300 a month, right? You wanna make sure you have an attorney who's, who's there, who's, who's going to give you that cost benefit analysis and let you know, okay, here's what you could be expecting in terms of a modification. Um, here's what we can try to do. Perhaps the attorney can try to get a stipulation. So a stipulation is an agreement that parties enter into uh, where both parties are signing it and then it can be filed with the court to modify the court order. Mm -hmm. And mom might be willing to do that right now during the pendency. But one thing that you can't do is do some self-help right now unilaterally. That's not a good idea. The other thing you can't do is say, oh, okay, well, we'll try to work this out later. Because unfortunately, down the road, most states have a, a prospective modification um, approach, meaning that they don't go back and look at the, uh, the scenario, the financial circumstances before the motion was filed. They look at from when the motion was filed going forward. And so you'll want to consult with an attorney to determine whether or not you need to get a motion on record now. You may not be able to get a hearing right now, but you might be able to preserve a retroactive mm -hmm. date. So even if it's going to be heard in June, 
the court would look at the circumstances as of April 3rd when you filed the motion potentially. So it varies by state. I encourage you to contact an attorney to run that analysis and an attorney who's going to give you, you know, solid information and honest and trustworthy information that's based off of a cost benefit analysis for you. Right. Um, along those lines and self-help, uh, one of the questions that uh, was submitted was there's an order in place. And mom is to get visitation. Uh, this gentleman has, the, 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 I guess, the majority of custody. But mom relocated out of state without notice, uh, without court order. Um, and the question now, mom apparently wants dad to send the child to another state to exercise custody that wasn't really contemplated in the decree. Uh, what can this person do? You know, we got self-help. Should they reject it? What do they do? So I... Uh, it would be really important to know what state that the person is in and making sure that we're analyzing the state laws. So in Wisconsin, for example, you can uh, have placement with a child outside of the state, but you can't for more than a 90 day period of time without following a specific notice statute. So the person should consult with an attorney right away, right? Be very mindful of, of the communication that you're having with the other side, because again, it could be an exhibit down the road, mm -hmm. but have an attorney look through your agreement, review the state statutes to determine whether this is something that the person can or cannot do. Um, what's important to know too, is if this person is exercising placement outside of the state and you really don't have any idea what's going on, right? Is this person staying with other people? Are those people isolating? There's definitely more information as a parent you should be entitled to right now. You you're entitled to know um, what what circumstances are, are occurring at the other home to make sure that your child is safe, mm -hmm. right? But in this situation, the person should um, consult with an attorney to make sure that they're correctly interpreting the decree. You should not withhold, withhold placement unless you have a basis to withhold placement, mm -hmm. right? Because otherwise, it could come back to bite you. And unfortunately, you, we don't know. Um, you can line up different court officials. Some some court officials might not take this as seriously as we'd like, but some might really be, will, uh, you know, throwing down the hammer. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to be made an example of. Yeah. So we can we have time for one more question, and this one is unique, and I've not heard this. Uh, the school where the father lives, who doesn't have uh, placement that you would su suggest in Wisconsin or for Missouri, uh, what we call the non-custodial parent, uh, has a distance learning program while mother's school in the area in which she lives is closed with nothing going on, no e-learning. Uh, they're still out of school, and that's typically where the children normally go to school. The question is, can father enroll the children or the child in, in his school district that is actually engaged in e-learning. And he's concerned that, uh, that the school in which they normally go to isn't going to reopen. They're not going to uh, put in place e-learning. Uh, and he wants them to at least have uh, some education moving forward until this is resolved. So the first thing I would do is gather information, right? And make sure that you are documenting communication to the other side, outlining, I've contacted the school that he's presently in. There is no opportunity um, provided for um, learning remotely for, um, for our child. And here is an option. I've, I've researched it. This is an option that's available. And here's, here's why it's in our child's best interest. And assuming that the, the, people have joint legal custody, um, then it's a situation where they need to discuss it 
first. Mm -hmm. So what I'm not hearing from, from the, the caller or the uh, question provided is what is the exact custodial decision-making arrangement? Mm -hmm. Does mom have the sole right to make decisions or does dad, do they both have to make the decision together? Regardless, my first step would be the same, which is to provide the information to, to mom uh, because why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you want to, and I mean, she should be joining you right. in that quest um, to obtain these resources. But if she's being unreasonable, you can contact an attorney because again, we don't know how long this is going to be going on. And so one thing that you would want to talk to the attorney about is perhaps filing a motion to allow you to enroll. Um, I wouldn't take any unilateral steps without mm -hmm. consulting with an attorney to make sure that you're not violating a court order. Because although your intentions are pure, they're great, and it's common sense, right? We should make sure that our child has some opportunity to learn during this time. Uh, we want to make sure that it's not in violation of an existing court order or a statute. Mm -hmm. If your if your agreement isn't very clear, keep in mind that just reading your agreement might not be good enough. You might also need to consult with an attorney to make sure. Hey, am I violating any statutes right. that exist related to this? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think what may upset judges the most is taking that unilateral action and enrolling them in a school in which they're not familiar with or starting in a different place and where they were, different classes, and maybe even creating more stress for the for the child. So I think it's, again, uh, having the conversation saying, look, you know, they need to continue, and if they both agree, so be it. So uh, great advice, Erica. I know guys really got some great insight as a result of your input, and uh, much appreciated. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. So that uh, wraps it for the continuing series as we talk about the questions submitted uh, by many of you out there as it relates to divorce, uh, pre, post uh, divorce, and even during. So continue sending in your questions to uh, coronavirus.divorce at cordelllaw.com. And we'll continue to try to address those, whether it be in a, this podcast series or even during our live national webinar series that we're going to continue uh, throughout uh, this period of dealing with COVID-19. So please tune in and continue to watch. Look for more information about our webinars that we're going to have that's nationwide. If you have any questions, certainly, and if you want to have uh, further consultation with us, you can call us at 866-DADS-LAW, 866-DADS-LAW, or you can check us out on the web at cordellcordell.com. Com. Until next time. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now.